Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose Views. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Morning, 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 Chicago. Morning, CPT followers. This is Richard Chu. This is Chu's Views. Today's Tuesday, second day of this new show. And, uh, well, you know, what can I tell you? We, we, um, we are excited, as always, to be here. And I am thrilled to death to be, um, you know, getting this new show off the ground and um, being able to reach out and have you guys as great supporters and listeners, uh, followers of WCPT in general, but certainly listening to me here this morning. I'm going to wake you up and hopefully get that brain moving forward. Obviously, that body's kind of doing what it's got to do. We were, uh, we were just talking about how far, you know, we're, we're, where we live in relationship to the studio. And uh, my man was like, okay, I'm only 10 minutes away. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a good bet to be here to, to, to make sure things work. I'm about 15 minutes away, but uh, either way, we, we are here and excited to be um to be bringing you some of the updates. We got a lot to, to cover today, uh, some local things, a um, uh, little, little bit more of what's happening uh, nationally and internationally. But the, uh, the one thing I want to start off the morning by saying is I wanted to um, sing praises uh, to my late mother-in-law. My mother-in-law passed away this morning at 3.30, um, surrounded by her children uh, and, uh, my mother-in-law, Mary Jane Byer Walter lived to just make her 94th birthday this past weekend. And, um, I want to sing praises and send praises out to her and her legacy, um, and her family. Um, and most importantly to me, my heart, my wife, Anne. So, um, much love to you, mom. We are going to miss you, but we loved you. We loved you for all that you brought to us and all the joy and all the big heartedness and all the smiles that you brought to so many people. And uh, we just want you to know that we will miss you. But we know that as the phrase goes, and it is meant um, that you are in a better place. You are now with your late husband, Robert, and you all get to have a wonderful time in that wonderful afterlife place, as we refer to as heaven. So um, I just wanted to take a moment to to say that and to send out that love to my, to my family. So with that, um, we will, uh, go forward and, and I kind of dedicate this show today to her for all the strength that she infused into so many people and the joy and the laughter that she provided for so many people. Um, and, um, I mean, I, I know I will talk about this again as we get closer to the services that we're going to have for her. So mom, we're going to miss you. And, uh, we send you, we send, um, I send my love to you. So hang in there, family. We get through it. We always do. We get through it by pulling together. That is the that is the strength of our humanity is pulling together. And I think that right now, um, as I've said, <clears throat> and I had the opportunity last night to be a part of the, the, the Chicago sexy liberal um, um, Zoom call, which was really a nice opportunity to be to be invited by um, Karen from Chicago and Kimberly, and some of the other staff heads. We got a chance to to wrap about a lot of things, but what um, the foundation of what I spoke about on last night's show or last night's call, which is 
Um, one of the benchmarks, I believe, in terms of what and how I see we go forward in this crazy political time is that it's absolutely important that we remember that our strength is in our numbers. Our strength is in our collective community. And one of the things that I f- I'm, I'm, um, I'm really encouraging everybody to be aware of and to do is to push and pull in the same direction at the same time. That's kind of my mantra. We have to do that. I, you know, was fortunate enough in my formative years, as, as they would say, to play um, different team sports. And even as an individual on a team sport, um, you know, you, you find that um, you have to do your part. And right now, I think doing our part as a community of progressives means that we have to really dig deep to make absolutely certain that we are pushing and pulling in the same direction at the same time. So um, that, that, that's what families do. And um, we, we are at that point. So it's, it is my mantra. It is my talking point. It is my rally cry that we have to uh, continue to do that. And, that, you know, a good example right now when, with the loss of a family member, when that happens, you know, the family has to pull together. And that's where I believe we are. So let me uh, give a quick rundown of some of the things that, that took place that, that, that are on my mind that I, that I want to um, uh, talk about today. Um, obviously, the, the news from across the pond about um, King Charles and his uh, diagnosis with cancer. Uh, certainly, that's something that is, uh, we hope the best for him um, and the monarchy and the family and such. Um, but it, it lends itself to a bigger conversation that I want to just, I mentioned yesterday with the loss of, um, of the late um, Joe Madison. You know, us guys have got to make sure we're taking care of our health. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do a recharge and a reset. Um, and I'm pretty good about taking care of my health. And it starts with what you eat, what you do, where your brain and your, and your heart and your spirit happen to be. And, um, I would, would be, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say to all of us guys, we've got to make sure we are on top of our health. Um, and, and a lot of it, we all recognize as we get chronologically older, we're going to see some changes, but at the same time, I think we can affect a better health by, um, what we eat and what we read and what we consume and making sure that we're active, getting up and moving around and all those things that are out there that we all know and hear are, are things that are going to contribute to our health because there's some systemic things that we don't necessarily know about. Until we start to feel a certain way, and then we go get checked out, and we find out, ooh. So that leads itself to the second part of this. All the things that we can do in terms of our diet, in terms of our mental diet, in terms of our exercise, all of the things that we can laundry list that we can do. The other thing that that I really have to speak to, and I'm going to speak to this from two different points. We have to make sure that we're getting checkups. We all do. I don't care if you're 25 or if you're 55 or 65. We have to get checkups because I'm of the mindset that our because our diets have changed and because of the uh, manufacturing of, of processed foods that's been for two gen- two generations for sure, all of my life, um, 
that I think that a lot of what happens is that people have um, may have conditions that they're not aware of, and they're not, and they don't become aware of those until they have something happen. Like, for example, with uh, with King Charles, um, a diagnosis of an enlarged prostate led to a different discovery. Um, and I can go back a few years. Magic Johnson went in for an insurance review to get a life insurance policy, and it was determined that he had HIV. You know, so yet before the grace of God, if you want to go there, had he not gone in for that review, he wouldn't have found out, and he may not be with us right now. So as much as we can do to be healthy in our consumption of whatever, and that maybe that'll be my sort of um, dartboard, our consumption of food, news, information, how we exercise, how we spend our days, we got to get in and get checked up, men and women. I think <clears throat> that at all ages, we've got to get in and get those those checkups. And and when I say that, I'm going to talk about this through a little bit of a flow of, of how I how I see it. At the moment that I say that we've got to take care of our health and one of the key components is going in to the doctor for our checkups, I also recognize that there are some detractors from that that prevent people from doing it. And so one of them is bad information. And when we link that, and I want to really work hard to stay on track on this, when we link that to our healthcare system, what I recognize respectfully is that there are a lot of people who don't have adequate health care. And these are working folks, not just folks who may not be employed. These are working folks, unfortunately referred to, and I don't always like labels, but they sometimes help make the point, the working poor. And so from a political, from a social, from an economic, and hell, just from a purely you know, health standpoint, we have to do a better job of making sure that our healthcare systems are in place. And we're going to take a break. And when I come back, we'll lean into that a little bit more. But the number is 773-763-9278. Give us a call. We'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey, guys, facts do matter. Uh, conversation matters. And um, before we went to the break, um, I was talking about health care and uh, our health care system. And I'm going to lean into this probably through to the next uh, to the next break. But uh, <laughs> while we were t- when we went to the break, um, we, we kind of were, were, were chopping it up a little bit. And right out of the gate, you said. So in Spanish, they say, no voy al doctor porque me van a encontrar algo mal, which means I'm not going to the doctor because if I do, they're going to find something wrong with me. So we were laughing about that because I said, well, you know, the, the Spanish community doesn't have the, doesn't have the market cornered on that necessarily. You know, I can tell you that in the African-American community, um, that's something that's a challenge as well. Now. And there's a certain there's a certain element of truth behind that because you um, we recognize that that's one of the blocks for men. Let's just call it as it is. I'm not going to head fake on that. I know a lot of dudes that are like, no, I'm good, man. I'm fine. I'm, and I'm sure there's, there's brothers in your community, our collective community, our shared community that say the same thing. Right. 
I mean, is it, tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, everything's good and good until it's not. Until it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you know, these are hardworking guys taking care of their family, out there doing their thing every day, and then suddenly something forces them to go. And, it, and, and I'll just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a straight-up shooting real dude from what I see. And my point, about, point is there's a large number of Spanish brothers that are in the trades, that's the truth, right? They're out there working hard every dog one day, busting their hump. And then they sprain their ankle or they get a cut that they've got to go to the doctor to get looked at because it's a cut. It's, you know, they got to get stitches. So they have to take a day off to go get that done. And that's when they find out the systemic thing that's going on because they had an injury Hispanic brothers that I see out there, I know, I, 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 and I see African-American brothers, I see our Caucasian brothers, same thing. They're busy working, going, and doing, whether they're in the trades or if they're professors and everything in between. And then it takes an injury for them to go see the doctor because they got to get that injury repaired. And then suddenly there's something that's, that's something else that's going on that's systemic. So... Again, guys, I'm always going to speak to the real because that's how it happens. And and my Caucasian brothers that are out there, I mean, I know that's what happens with you too. And my Hispanic brothers, my Asian brothers, my African-American brothers, we as guys have got to lean into checkups on a regular basis. Let's just be honest. I mean, I, I'm going to laundry list this real quick for you. Uh, Joe Madison passed away last week, and, and he was fortunate enough to catch the thing it, it came back. Carl Weathers passed away last week. You know, Carl lived a great life. January 14th, 1948, born in Louisiana. Um, we all know him as Apollo Creed and all the great work that he did um, and the lies that he impacted. Um, and, you know, now we've got King Charles that went in for a prostate uh, exam or went into was determined to have an enlarged prostate. And as a, as a part of that checkup, they, they discovered some form of cancer, which they haven't um, a lot, haven't shared with uh, with the world yet. But, you know, the checkup is what spawned the other diagnosis. And I will tell you the truth. I in the last couple of days, I'm like, OK, I just had hand surgery at the end of December and, you know, one of the things that was critically important to me is that everything is everything else cool. And I'm actually now because of what's happened to these men in the last just couple of weeks, I've been telling myself, OK, I want to get in for another check just because I'm conscious of it. And I and I and I want us to all be. So let me go back to the point that we had right before the break. And that's this. Our our excuse me, our health care system, our care system, we'll call it not health insurance. Eric Grant, my great partner and friend on the family meeting, talks about this. It's not health insurance. Insurance is the item that pays for the coverage that we all need. And But health care in and of itself is the thing that we all have to lean into and all have to do a better job. Bernie Sanders got, you know, berated and criticized and so forth and so on about, you know, changing our health care system. And frankly, Hillary Clinton did, too. So. I think that when I when I link this and I and I my brain works this way, it's a dotted line to everything. I got a big old center solid dot in the middle of my thinking. And then I got a bunch of dotted lines to everything that's out there. But I do my best 
and I, and I, and I pray every day that my thinking links to something that's important to all of us. And in this space, the fact that our healthcare system is still a debated issue is hugely irresponsible by our country. I don't give a darn about the health insurance companies making money. They make a whole bunch of money. They make the health insurance. Con, uh, I know this because not only am I a financial advisor, I'm an insurance agent and broker. So I can speak to this from the inside or from behind the curtain. I'm telling you, if you put together the health insurance companies, the independent, you know, not through the ACA insurance companies as an industry in the United States of America, they have a um, they have a GDP with if I can if I can meld that together. Let's, let me put it this way. They have a gross revenue that's larger than the GDCs of some countries on the planet. And I'll, you know, if somebody wants me to back that up with the numbers, it'll, it won't take me long to show you what they are. So my point is, I could care less about how much money they are making when we have people who don't get care, don't get checkups, because they, in part, don't want to find out that there's something wrong, to your point earlier. But at the same time, they don't have the mechanism, they don't have the proper coverage, the proper care mechanism to go and get that review, to go and get those tests. That is a problem and it continues to be and it shouldn't be. So when I said in my opening yesterday, and let me try to refine this again um, about the United States of America, I'm going to bring you my views, choose views. I'll be covering many topics that I believe are important to our wonderful community of Chicago, our region, state, and our great, imperfect, in need of lots of changes, United States of America. Okay. And in this space, that's something that needs to be changed. We, we have to fix it. And if we don't, um, if we aren't electing the, the, the um, officials to lean into that, then we have to review who, we're, who we are um, electing. And I mean that on a local level. I mean that on a regional level, state, and certainly nat- uh, nationally. Because the preservation of life starts with caring for the life. And I think that if we can just get past the fact that it's that the companies are uh, are profit driven and stop saying that we can't change it because it's going to impact the profit of those businesses and look at it more from the healthier that our communities are, the more profitable we will be. Because we aren't spending money. I mean, I, I was part of, a, of, a, of a, um, a panel, gosh, this must have been 20 years ago, that sat down and looked at the cost of care in the last two weeks of a person's life that, has a, that, that, that dies from an illness, um, and, uh, dies from an illness or an accident. And I don't have the numbers right in my fingertips right now, and, and I'll, I'll, over the next you know, weeks and months, probably dive into this again. But what we found is that as it relates to the, 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 the value of an insurance, health insurance plan, that roughly 85% of the value of that plan was used up, if you will, in the last uh, 10 to 14 days of the life of a person who was in critical care. Think about that. So as you, as you 
connect that dot to the whole conversation around care, you have to ask yourself the, uh, the, the opposite-ended question, which is, what is it that during that person's life could have been affected so that at the end of their life, so much wasn't spent, if you will, on their care? And I don't know what the singular answer is because I don't think there is a singular answer. But what I can tell you is that we do not have a system that embraces the fact that we're all going to die. So we have the mortality. But what about the morbidity? What about the health along the way? And if we had a better health care system that had more investment in early care, then I think, you know, again, I'm not a scientist, but I have a lot of common sense and I do my research. The evidence that comes from that research says that we would live a longer life and healthier, which takes stress off of the, 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 the health care system and the financial system that we live in. So, you know, I, I, uh, I have to rant on about things. One of the things that you guys will, I hope, continue to appreciate about me is that I, I rant factually. I rant with data. I rant with information because, um, you know, my daddy always used to say to me, son, if you're going to say something, say it with truth and say it with power. So there you go. We're coming up on another quick break. The number is 773. Y'all need to wake up. Got to get to work. Got to beat that traffic. So the number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820. Chicago's progressive talk. Well, welcome back, everybody. Good morning. This is Richard Chew, and this is Chew's Views. I, um, when we went to the break, we were talking about our health care system and where I think we should be. Got a lot of things to cover today and this week, so I'm going to try not to just wedge everything in and give some substance, some substance and time to, um, some of the issues. But I'm going to have a little bit of fun and, 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 uh, joke a little bit about, um, something that I, I saw the other day. So right now, um, you know, there's been this sort of, uh, unfortunate amount of hell that's being thrown at um, this wonderful young woman known as Taylor Swift. And I am going to just kind of give you my progression. When I, when she first hit the scene um, and um, you know, her music, it, you know, there's, there's all kinds of music that I listen to, but hers wasn't one that I necessarily was crazy about. Um, but, Hey, she was doing her thing and she took some hits early. So I, um, you know, I wasn't a fan of her music, but I wasn't not a fan of her because I had no reason to not be appreciative of the fact that she was having successes. I'm going to be honest with people. I'm not a fan necessarily of Beyonce's music. She's a badass. So is Taylor Swift, but I'm not a fan necessarily. I mean, Beyonce's song, let's, let's just call it as it is. Beyonce's phenomenal singer and performer and social advocate, just like Taylor Swift is, and they do it slightly differently. And I have this wish that I'll get to. Don't let me forget the wish, okay? So when I think about the, the two, these two great performers, um, I couldn't tell you a Beyonce song if I had. I, I think I could probably get to the one about to the left, to the left, because it's such a it, it, it's a catchy song. OK. And there's the same thing with uh, uh, with Taylor, with Shake It Off. I mean, I couldn't tell you three of her songs. That doesn't change the fact that they're great performers. They're great women. They're doing wonderful things. And 
but Beyonce's music isn't necessarily mine. And, I'm, you know, so that is what it is. Neither is Taylor's. But I recognize and give them their flowers for the, the success that they have as performers, the success that they have as women. I'm a big advocate, do advocate of women. I have been since I was a little boy because of how I was raised. And, and no one will ever push me off my, my spot on that. So I'm like the first dude that's going to run to the front of the line to make sure that women are respected. That's not a that's not a, a sexist statement that women can't take care of themselves because I surround myself with strong women and strong men. For that reason, I want strong people around me because we lean into that strength. We all get better. That's just how I am. So when I think about, uh, you know, what's going on with Taylor Swift right now and all the hell she's catching because she's in love with the man that happens to play football for a top performing football team in America. When you break it down, that's what it is. Okay. You don't have to like her music. And the, the hell that she's catching is because of where she sits politically or with the things that she's trying to do, which is like, uh, what's the guy, Cow, uh, Coward? I can't think of his first name. He's a, uh, ESPN, I think, uh, announcer. He kind of laundry listed, you know, this is all she's doing. And because she's helping folks get the mindset about voting, which is something that we all should have as a federal national right. But we have this, you know, goofy Supreme Court. That's all she's really doing. Okay. And so she's catching all this heck and hell and craziness because of that. And I think about it and I go, well, Republicans like to always talk about how business astute they are. And I'll be candid with you. I I can tell you that there's a whole bunch of Democrat Democrats or folks who are Democrats that are business owners that can run circles around many of these so-called Republican business people. I see it all the time in all communities, in all cultures, and certainly both men and women and in the LGBTQ community. Okay. That runs some great businesses. Absolutely do. But what I found interesting is that there was an article that I, that I saw and uh, CNN posted it that the new England Patriots owner, Robert Kraft came out and said that, He thinks that Taylor Swift has been really smart in what she's been doing by gaining a new audience. He took a very he he didn't get into the political whatevers, because as as far as I know, he's been a supporter of some of the, you know, middle of the road Republican uh, issues. And I think at one point he may have uh, in, in the 2016 campaign came out as a MAGA supporter. I think he's since kind of backed away from that a little bit, particularly when he got caught at that massage parlor and blah, blah, blah. So he kind of you know, shut his mouth a little bit on where he was politically. But my point of all this is uh, this dude who's been successful as a football team uh, franchise owner and in, a, in his other businesses came out and said, from a business perspective, what she's doing makes a total, makes total sense. She's, she's, been perfectly branded and she's bringing that brand to a venue that has a huge, massive audience and that he thinks, and I'm going to read the quote as best I can. Let me get these glasses on. Cause I think this is important when we look at the, 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 the concept of, of a, of a successful woman doing what she's doing. I think she, and this is in quotes. I think she's increased the fan approval for young women, which we want because she's been smart enough, and, and because of that, she's also getting two male fans to come to her music. 
I just think it's the quality of the product and the parity and what the NFL presents. How about that? Robert Kraft comes out and says, doesn't, he doesn't get into the political part of this. He just comes right out and says, listen, from a business perspective, I think what she's doing makes sense. And she's doing it in a way that's expanding her brand and it's bringing more young women and male fans to her music. And if along the way it, it brings in some other people to the process of watching football that may not have really given a darn about, because he says that later in the article, that, you know, there's people who probably weren't really watching football, but now they are watching football because, you know, a person that they like in a different venue, Taylor Swift and Swift in music is now, um, you know, checking out football. So I like that he took that business perspective and said, hey, you know, we got to give her 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 flowers for what she's doing because she's smart enough to understand how to build her brand. And, um, you know, this past summer we saw what she did. Her tours sold out everywhere on the planet, as did Beyonce's. They they both they're both killing it. So here's what my here's my wish. And and, and, um, I'll, I'll try to make this as quick as I can. Here's my wish. I wish it would. I think it would be so cool. I'd probably go if they could. Fi- I, I, and I, and because I think from a collaborative standpoint, at least I believe, I think I do. I believe that I do. <clears throat> Excuse me. I said this last summer when I was stuck in traffic getting <laughs> through to get from downtown to where we live. I said, man, wouldn't it be cool if their people could get together? Beyonce's people. And yeah, Jay-Z, you got to, you know, you're going to have to support this, this, even though you made your little speech during the Grammys. But if Beyonce and her people and Taylor and her people could come together from a planning standpoint and decide to do a small tour together, not every city, but maybe three, four cities, New York, L.A., Chicago, maybe D.C., man, oh, man, I'm telling you. That concert would be one hell of a concert. And they both sing some of their songs together. How cool would that be? I mean, let, let and the, yeah, y'all didn't see <laughs> the money that they would make. First of all, the, the swag, all the other things that go along with these types of concerts. Because they both sit in the same, similarly in the, sa- in, in the, in the similar lane when it comes to how they see the world politically and socially. They're strong women advocates. They're strong human rights advocates. They give back to the communities that they that their their performances are in. Both of them do that. They've both won tons of awards. And yeah, I get it, Jay Z, that Beyonce hasn't won Album of the Year. I get that, but she's won more awards than you know most any other other people have. I get that. But how cool would that be from a uniting standpoint? Because I think folks have figured out I'm, I'm about uniting and collaboration. That if they were to put together a concert tour together, I'd probably go. And I, like I said, because of the music, I mean, that's not my, they're, they're not, you know, exactly. But I'd, I'd look at getting to, I don't know if I'd spend the money on the tickets, but that would be a show to go to. You got to give it up. Think about that. These two great superstar women on the stage together. Come on. That's like bringing Earth, One, and Fire and the Beatles together or bringing Earth, One, and Fire and the Rolling Stones with their old selves on the stage at the same time. Now, the overarching part of this, and I'm going to say this, go to the break, and then we'll come back and grab some calls. The overarching cool part about this from a social and political standpoint is just think of the numbers of people 
that both like those two women and their super success that would then, and this is a big wish on Richard's part, but the, the impact of something like that, those two great women singing on the stage together for a four, four or five city tour. Oh my goodness. The social message that that would send the galvanization that that could have, I think could be just off the charts. I think it just, you know, and, and that's, that's probably the dream part of my personality. Uh, but I'm not ashamed to admit that how cool it would be. And from a business standpoint, like you said, the money that they would bring in. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it would sell out in a day if, if Beyonce and, and Taylor Swift announced they're going to do a, a five city tour together. They'd be sold out by the end of the day in all cities. You know, so anyhow, that's my positive rant about. Miss Taylor Swift and her success this past weekend, as well as Beyonce's success, what a what a joy it would be to see those two women come together for a. Um, I have to come up with the name, a blending name of the, what that concert would sound like. But my my goodness, how cool that would be! Listen, guys, the number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys. So uh, <laughs> right before the break, you heard me uh, going down the road of what it would be like to have Taylor Swift and Beyonce do a combined concert. I think it would be pretty cool. I'd probably go ahead and buy a ticket and show up and have a good time just watching these two superstar women. Um and their music would that'd be kind of cool. So right before the break, I said, God, I got to come up with it with a with a, a name for it. And I'm not going to take credit for it. So you got to you got to light them up. We have we have the name of the Beyonce Taylor Swift tour. I may have to get this thing registered because if they decide to do it, you and I got to make our, our, our pennies on this because we came up with it. Now we we got to sell it to them. And then we get to say this is the name of the tour. But you got to tell everybody what you came up with during the break. The B Swift Tour. That's right. B S T. B Swift Tour. I think that'd be pretty cool. So listen, we're going to grab a quick call, and um, we uh, got uh, who do we have on the line? We got Karen on the line. Hold on one second. We'll grab you in a second. Is she up? Is she on? Yeah. Karen. I'm on. Hey, hey, hey I morning. like that. Isn't that cool? Good morning. Good morning. I love it. Wouldn't that? I mean, listen. That would be a great name, B Swift Tour. I mean, it sells. It, it rolls Live off the tongue easily, on and on. And to have these two, you know, socially, mm-hmm. politically, you know, astute women. Yes, aligned. Yeah, man. Anyhow. I can see it. I totally love it because up until this point, and I'm just going to say this: men, um, misogynistic men, and the women who support them have been the ones that have been causing this division. This is what always happens. They try and divide people because it it just it create controversy where there really should be none. Right. Um, and I'm going to say this. I'm right there with you as far as like kind of the trajectory of your awareness of Taylor Swift and even Beyonce. But I have to tell you, Richard, you're missing out if you do not download Lemonade. Beyonce, uh, Hold Up is a song like no other. Well, that is it is you've got to you've got to download that album. It is a phenomenal album. Well, here's the thing. My um, my 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 niece, my grandniece uh, down in Texas, 
Um, she is four. She'll be five in, in August. She is hugely Beyonce and has her little microphone thing. And then when they turn on the TV and they, you know, she sings a song. I mean, it's just crazy to watch it. Cause she, she, she's, she's right there, but all right, Karen, I, I'm, I'm going to take your, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to take your advice. Yeah. Yeah. And let me just say too, like with the, you know, the good for business um, discussion uh, surrounding Taylor Swift, it is absolutely good for business to stand up against fascism and fight fascism. Yes. It um, is. And, you know, so that you know, that's my stance on that. But with the NFL or whatever, they just get so mad. The only reason they, or the only way that they want to see women during a football game is if they're scantily clad and shaking pom poms. Well, you know, that's that's the whole that's the deal. It is <laughs> on that. Well, yeah. and, and it's it's not even and, and and the officials of the NFL, they're not the the other owners are not stupid. They know that mm-hmm. having a Taylor Swift at a game. Or in the stands is good for their it's good mm-hmm. for their brand because it's eyeballs. Yes. We know that. Like you know, so what Robert Kraft said though, which I thought was really cool, is that she um he recognizes that what she's doing just by being in love and being at games with her you know, supporting mm-hmm. her guy, which no which it was is no different than any other um, a spouse of an athlete would be doing, irrespective of gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all she's mm-hmm. doing. At the end of the day, at the core, that's all she's doing, right? But it's but by yeah. by virtue of her being there, according to what Robert Kraft, and I think he'd be, be a credible source on a successful business. She's but she's been able to accomplish. So you know, absolutely, and she she was doing it before before all this attention came on her too. You yeah. know, all the you know the MAGA freakout. She's been doing her thing for years. I mean, I kind of equate her to um, like Dolly Parton as far as her business sense. Yeah, and, a doubt. and branding and everything. Yeah, she no, she's phenomenal. But anyway, I am going in to slay some dragons at coffee. Okay, um, so. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say thank. It's thank you for the conversation, and I love, love, love this new show. Thank so. you, Karen. I appreciate it. It was really a pleasure to be on with you guys last night with the uh, Chicago Step Heads and, and Chicago Sexy Liberals. Uh, it was a lot yes. of fun. And shout outs to everybody. Shout out to Kimberly. You'll have to get me um, all the information, contact information that you have on on the group on the team because I want to do everything uh-huh. I can to promote. Uh, what that effort is all about through this show. And also, you guys don't know this, but we're going to speak to this every day that we can. Uh, Karen has a podcast that I'm going to be a part of because of her graciousness in inviting me, along with her good friend Anita down in Texas. And Karen, just take a half a second and, and share with our listeners a little bit about your podcast. So our podcast was born out of conversation. Um, my friend Anita and I um, would talk multiple times a day, um, every day, um, just talk, you know, about everything political, everything that was in the news, um, talking about how we uh, wanted to lend our voice to the conversations, um, and this, particularly the timing of it was um, set a year out from the 2024 general election um, so that we can have the conversations to inform uh, the general public and whoever will go to our Patreon, uh, True Blue, it's T-R-U-B-L-U, Politics Podcast, um, and just have some conversations. Say that that again. Mm -hmm. Say it slower. Say that again. Uh, 
Okay. So it's T-R-U-B-L-U Politics Podcast. And we are on social media, uh, on Twitter, uh, same name, at True Blue Politics Podcast. And, um, you know, so basically we just wanted to have the conversations, provide people with the tools to make sure that they have these conversations with their friends and family, make sure that they get people registered to vote, make sure that they're actively working. As you said, it was such a brilliant thing that you said last night. What make a plan? What are you doing for 90 days out from the general election? Make a plan. Are you writing postcards? Are you door knocking? Are you working with organizations that are driving voters to the polling places? Things like that. We all have to kind of be on top of this uh, because what Project 2025. And Donald Trump and these right-wing hardliners have in store for us, should Donald Trump take the Oval Office again, it, it just it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for anybody. It's not going to be good for our climate. It's not going to be good for women's reproductive health care. It's not going to be good for student loan forgiveness. It's not going to be good for tuition reform, wages, everything. It is going to be very bad for all of us. So um, we just, we we're having the conversation and we want to engage others to have conversations and really get the word out because our mainstream media is lacking, continuously lacking. Well, I was was honored to be a part of the call last night and now I will uh, do my best to be, uh, to be there um, um, when I can and certainly looking forward to being part of your podcast and supporting that effort. So glad we had a chance to chat, Karen. You're going to be a regular part of our conversation, and I'm excited about that. Karen from Chicago brings a huge amount of commitment to this process, guys, and you guys got to follow her and and, and check out what she's doing. And uh, like I always say, we have to lean into this push and pull in the same direction at the same time. So, Karen, thanks for calling in, girl. Thank you. Have a great day today. Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, you too. And find me on on Twitter, at K-I-Resist. You got it. That's my handle. All right, honey. Love you. Have a great day. I will. You too. Yeah. So, you know, as we come up on our, our top of the hour break, the, uh, the the one thing I'll wrap up with with regard to Super Bowl, at least today, I got a surprise for you guys tomorrow. So you're going to want to tune in and have your phones ready because there's a little something that's going to come at you tomorrow that'll be a little bit of fun. Now... Um, as I, as I put one more little cap on conversations surrounding football and the Super Bowl and linking that to where we are politically and socially, um, this is kind of my little slam. Um, and it's a good slam. Republicans would not make it to the Super Bowl as a team because they fight too much. They're disparate in their, uh, their efforts, um, and frankly, they wouldn't even make it through the wild card rounds because they just don't know how to fight and make certain that the team wins. I hear a lot of times people talk about, you know, um, how, how um, you know, um, uh, Republicans line up behind each other. Um, that's not necessarily accurate. I think that's how it's been perceived. But what's actually happening now is Republicans are what's what's I'm sorry, what's being exposed now is that Republicans are showing that they all are self-interested. Now, I hear and I'm aware of this um, 
Project 2025, which you guys can't sleep on. I posted something on social media regarding that yesterday. But we can't, as progressives, sleep on this uh, um, 2020, uh, um, Project 2025. But we got to hit this top-of-the-hour break. The number is 773-763-9278. After the break, we'll be right back. Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose View. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. And welcome back, you guys, this Tuesday morning. It's a little bit after 7 o'clock here in the great windy city. Um, for those those who follow us, trust me, I will get uh, to talking about what's happening in the Middle East and talking about things that are happening here locally that are affecting folks' opinion of uh, our stand as a country about the Middle East. I'm um, not going to hit that today, but I definitely will lean into that over the next you know, days and weeks, most certainly. Uh, before the break, my good friend Karen was uh, chatting us up about um, where and what she sees as it relates to these two great women that I talked about, Beyonce and um, and Taylor Swift, and and what they're doing to to further uh, the conversation, particularly uh, Taylor Swift right now. So we were we were chopping it up about names for the concert tour that I'm going to be the um, the organizer of for Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> And uh, we, we came up with this here in the studio, uh, the B Swift tour. But uh, it looks like uh, we have a caller, Shannon, that has a name for the tour as well. So, Shannon, what you got for us this morning? Hi, Richard. I love you on the family meeting. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. And um, I think it should be called Beyonce. Oh, okay. Beyonce, Beyonce, so, yeah, Beyonce, Beyonce. So it's kind of like beyond, and, and so it's like Beyonce and, and Taylor. Okay, that would work too. We got two, you know. We, we so so. Listen, y'all, listen. We, we we can have some fun with this because at the end of the day, um, these are two strong, successful, proud women um, that are both leaning in in their way to where we are socially and politically. So I'm giving them their flowers. Um, but you know, we can have some fun with this because I think that that's all about what we should be all about, which is coming together. It's part of, it's, it's just in my DNA, Shannon, that the strength of pulling together and working together is so incredibly important. And sometimes it's forgotten because we have this in America, this rugged individualism, pull yourself up and catch the words, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, the reality yeah. is sometimes we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and because somebody is balancing our shoulders so we can do it. Do you know what I'm saying? If you get that visual, sometimes when you reach down to pull up your, your, your boots or put on your shoes, somebody's got to balance you out a little bit because we have to work together. And my mind with regard to this tour, yeah, I'm having some fun with it, but the undercurrent is if we can do that, that kind of thing on a grander scale with how we are as progressives, that's how we're going to um, win the White House again, hold the Senate, if not grow it, and take back the House. 
and win some state races. That's going to be, Shannon, a mantra that you will hear from me this year. When we get we get closer to the to the DNC, that last 90, 120 days before the election, you're going to hear that from Richard Chu and Chu's views, because that's what we have to get done. And as I said, I spoke on um, last night on the um, Steph Hedge uh, 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 Zoom call. And I, I was just really, really trying to encourage everybody on that call. And we had nearly 100 people to get themselves lined up mentally that that's the work that we've got to do. And that's the position that we've got to be in. So, Shannon, uh, what else you got for me this morning other other than the, um, the, the, the name of the tour? That's it. Just thank you for all you do. Um, uh, like I said, I love the family meeting and two strong women. Um, getting together and um, women's rights are at the forefront for this election. So I think and they could it's call, important. They could call it, they, they, you know, it could be uh, whatever, whatever title, if it's B Swift or it's your, if it's, um, either way, they, whatever they call it, but it could be that how, how, how cool would it be if it, if it were subtitled the women's rights tour? My goodness. Oh, <laughs> that'll, that'll, yeah. I mean, Look out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Shannon, thank you so much for your call. Call us back. We love having Thanks, your support. Richard. Have a fantastic day and stay safe. Thanks, Richard. You too. All righty. Be well now. That was cool. That was Shannon. Shannon. Shannon was thinking. Too. So so her brain was like, okay, let's go with something. I didn't come up with the name. She, she didn't waste any time. Way to go, Shannon. So listen, guys, um, you know, as you talk about, what I said a moment ago about working together, coming together, staying on point with that, having your focus in terms of what you want to get done with this upcoming election. Um, I don't, I'll speak to the positive. Um, As a progressive liberal Democrat, you can't just be a keyboard warrior. Okay. And I apologize. My sinuses are deciding that they want to have a part of the conversation this morning too. Uh, and the number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Can't be just a keyboard warrior. Um, you can't just sit on the sidelines and and yell from the rafters. Uh, you have to get involved. Now's the time. Let's not wait till the end of the the um, the summer before you decide what you want to do. Um, what I said earlier, um, and it was part of the call last night with the um, the Steph heads and and sexy liberal Chicago sexy liberals, was this. So. You got to think about this election as it relates to timing. And what I mean by that is the elections in November voting will take place in early in some states. We, all, we we get all that. But, you know, the drop dead date, so to speak, is is November. I think it's November 5th or November 8th. But what I want everybody to do, critically important, absolutely critically important and I'm going to continue to provide you guys with some data and some information in terms of phone numbers and um, uh, email addresses and all that. But it's important that we come up with what I'll call, and I've been using this for a few weeks now, the purple plan. And, and Richard Chu's purple plan is defined as what and w- which states or which um, congressional elections is there a purple race going on? Is there a candidate that's in a purple district that needs your help? And if you are in a blue, solidly blue state like we are here in in Illinois, and most specifically here in Chicago, 
then maybe the thing that you need to do, and you're going to hear me speak on this a lot because it's important, is pick the state, or I should say pick the, the congressional race that's a purple race that we can win or most certainly hold so that we don't lose any seats in the House and we pick up some seats. And you can do that by going online. You can Google that information. Uh, and I'll do my part to help out if you need some help with that and you know how to reach me. But pick a purplish district and start, I would say, 90 on a minimum, but maybe even more like 120 days out from the election. Start to work to help those candidates in those races. Karen said this a moment ago when she called in. It can be with phone calls, phone banking. It can be with uh, postcards. It could be sending money to the candidate in that particular purple race. It could also be, depending on um, what your, your economics allow you to do, it could be, and I would coordinate this with the local candidate's office or the DNC uh, in a particular, or the, um, the, the Democratic leadership in a particular district or state. Going to an area that you can help with some door knocking. Uh, I, I can take you back to the 2004 election where I actually got involved with a group up in Milwaukee. And I drove up to Milwaukee and canvassed with probably, I don't know, probably, I think it was like 30 or 40 people to some suburban um, areas of Milwaukee to help with that 2004 election. We didn't win that election. Um, um, Bush ended up getting reelected. But the point I'm making is, is that, you know, it was a it was worth a day of driving up to Milwaukee to help those races or to help in that um, in that push. So if you can go to a purple district physically and it works for you, you've got the um, the ability. And I mean that on all fronts, economically, time wise, your health is, is good enough to do it. That may be another way to help out, but most certainly phone banking, most certainly um, uh, if there's ways, ways that you can do mailers. Um, and again, just look at what you might be able to send to a candidate or candidates that can help in their, in their fundraising efforts, because it is all hands on deck. It is all about pushing and pulling in the same direction. So I'm hoping that um, we can be you know, we can be um, a part of that effort. We're going to take a quick break. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. Uh, 773-763-9278. Glad to be here as, um, <clears throat> excuse me, your morning Host from six to eight a.m. This is Chu's views, and I'm Richard Chu. So, a couple of things that are are out there that, um, and this is this is just kind of my my take on civics for a hot minute. Um, I heard a couple of uh, of tapes of, um, I believe it was uh, Nimrata Nimrata Haley, aka Nikki, um, and Marjorie Taylor Green or Marjorie Green. Uh, saying that um, I believe it was Representative um, Elon Omar uh, and Senator Warnock should be deported. Okay, so 
I'm going to give them a little bit of a civics lesson. Um, Yeah, Representative Omar um, migrated to the United States of America from um, Ethiopia, I believe. I hope I'm right about that. Um, From the continent of Africa, to be regionally as, as accurate as I can be. She's a U.S. citizen. She's gone through all the trials and tribulations of, of becoming one. Representative War, I'm sorry, a Senator Warnock was born in the United States of America. So the civics lesson for Green and Haley is that you can't deport a U.S. citizen whether they came as a migrant and became a citizen and went through all the trials and tribulations to become one. And certainly if you were born in the United States of America, you can't be deported. The only way, and it's a stretch beyond stretch. It's a rubber rubber band breaking stretch that a person that's migrated to the United States, gone through the trials and tribulations to become a U.S. citizen, can be deported is if they commit an act of treason and it has it's so narrowly defined that they would that act of treason would also include them having to become part and supporter of the of a, a military of another country, not necessarily the country that they migrated from to the United States. So if if uh, someone that is that's a migrant that becomes a citizen of the United States decided that they were going to suddenly become a, um, a an active participant and commit an, an act of treason for the country of Russia, it would take that literal narrow definition to be deported. Reverend Warnock, that doesn't apply to him because he was born in the United States. So for him to be, um, to face retribution for committing an act of treason, we would have to be at war with another country. And he would have to commit the same supporting the military of the country that we were at war with. Now, I'm giving you guys the edited version of what I remember from civics and government and law classes and making sure that what I was saying is 99.99% on point. My bigger point is that's the stupidity of the Republican elected officials right now and the, and the people that they're, they're sending these, you know, that, that they're, that they're making these statements to the MAGA crowd the maybe the non MAGA crowd that's following Nikki Haley and coming from someone like her of all people whose parents migrated to the United States to become citizens for her to loosely throw out that Senator Warnock should be deported is beyond. It's not stupidity. It's irresponsible for someone running for president to not know that or worse to know it or to know better and still make the statement. So civics lesson to both of those knuckleheads, both Green and Haley need to go back to government class or pick up a book or Google, have somebody on their staff 
because they both were flat out wrong in what they said about deportation. But it sounds sexy to say deportation right now to anybody. And, and, and the, the irony is, Nikki, as we use the phrase um, in the African-American community for, for a few decades, um, is trying to pretend to be white. Yeah, I said it. Nikki Haley, nobody wants to no, Nobody else out there that I'm that I'm following is saying this. Nikki Haley is pretending to be white. And that's not a, I'm not making a, uh, a negative statement about being white in America because, you know, part of my part of my genealogy has Caucasian European blood. I, you know, so I'm not making that statement any more than President Obama did, whose mother was white when he's when he pulled out and brought out the issues that the white community needs to step on step up in. But Nikki Haley is trying to be white for one simple reason. And I wish that the other and I say other uh, other progressive voices would just flat out say this. They're not. And they're letting her get away with things that are that are highly irresponsible and calling for Senator Warnock to be deported. I mean, she's denying that we we have racism in the country and that the country has been is is rightfully um, been accused of or labeled as a better word of being a racist country. That's the truth. I'm not going to I'm going to lean into that, you know, as, as time goes by. That's the truth. Our country has performed in a racist manner. It is a racist country. It was born out of that. The problem is too many people don't want to have that conversation because they want to say that if because if they acknowledge that, then they have to acknowledge the history and the the things that I've said before, the imperfections of the country. So. I'm not saying that they, well, let me put it in a different vein. Nikki needs to clean that up and, or not say it at all. And green needs to clean that up or not say it at all. Because that from, from my, from my reading and understanding, um, deporting a born citizen, um, doesn't happen. They can be the retribution and the punishment, if you will, for acts, linked to treason can be meted out differently, but not through deportation. So, um, anyhow, I, I needed to lean into that because I was like, wait a minute, that that's, um, based on everything that I've read and I know that's not, that's not completely, that's not doable. So, um, in any event, uh, a little bit of a newsflash for, for, uh, Republicans that want to deport, um, ironically people of color, not, um, the, 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 the orange, the other, the other person of color, the orange menace, you know, if you want to deport somebody, I don't see them saying let's deport him. But again, so listen, um, the cool thing about where we are right now is that it gives us an opportunity to affect a change. And, I, you know, sitting on your hands right now doesn't work. You got to get involved. You're going to hear me say it every day and a couple times. I mean, every every show and a couple times within the show. Um, but to that end, I do want to um, to catch up with my man, Dave, in Hoffman Estates. Dave, what is going on this Tuesday morning? Uh, good morning, Richard. Hey, the, um, the quick tread with uh, Nikki Haley before I get in. I see. I believe I heard something yesterday. Maybe you did too. That where she's receiving Secret Service protection now. Uh, who knows? I didn't hear that. And if she does, no. if she does, um, you know, I don't want anybody to be put in a in a 
a situation where their life is threatened. And even someone that I don't agree right. with politically, I don't, that, that's not cool. Um, yeah, if I heard correctly, I mean, that's kind of all, uh, when, uh, Barack Obama was running, he got out it real early, like at that, that time. Yeah. If you recall. Well, but you know, and listen, that's, that, that's, that's part of where we are. Um, the need for the Secret Service, yeah. uh, for a candidate running is something that goes back to Bobby Kennedy's assassination. Uh, if I have my details right. Yeah. So that, that to me, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that because look, I can dislike someone's political position and social position and all the rest. I don't want to see him die or get injured. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that's how, how polarized this country's gotten though. If you don't like what somebody's saying that, you know, they want to eliminate you permanently. Yeah, but, but um, so, so the question would, would the, the, that leads to the question though, Dave, who is it that is, you know, um, who is it that's putting her in a box, so to speak, where the threats are out there? I mean, um, is it coming from the left or is it coming from people on the right that don't want to see her overtake Trump? So that's the question you really got to ask. Are there people on the left that want to take her down or is it I mean, that, that, that want to cause her harm? Or is it coming from folks on the right that don't want to see her um, um, beat their boy? And I and I don't know for a fact, but I would if I had to make a bet, I think I knew where my bet would land. Yeah, possibly, but you know, right away they'll do. But what about with the baseball game where that one guy that had been a Bernie supporter shot the, you know, the, yeah. the guy from Louisiana? Yeah, uh, Scalise. Yeah, I do. I yeah, remember. But they always come back with one of them. You know, it's like, well, what about that? You know, he was yeah. the left. They, they always come back with people who are weak in response. They don't come back with people like me because, uh, trust me, they, they don't want the smoke I would give them on the whataboutism. So, <laughs> yeah. I mentioned to the uh, screening that uh, the, one of them, like with Mitch McConnell, now with this bipartisan border bill, now suddenly he's, he was for it, but now he's against it because mm-hmm. he's, you know, uh, He's caving into Donald Trump. You know. <laughs> you mean he puckered up? Is that what it is? <laughs> I guess. You but you remember <laughs> when back when when there was something that I think Nancy Pelosi had said one time we had to vote for it before we could see it or something and they always made big hay on that. Well Yeah. Maybe we should be starting to make some big hay on this and I was for it before I was against it, now with Mitch. Look at Dave yeah. from Hoffman Estates giving us giving us lessons and tools. You're absolutely right. That's what happened. They got she got she got vilified for, you know, oh wow, you didn't vote, you didn't even see the bill before you voted for it. Blah blah blah. Okay, well, I think that probably happens more often than we realize. I'm not excusing yeah. it on oh, either yeah. side. Um, but I mean, Dave, do you think? Let me let me ask you this. Do you think that? Um, let's say they read it, uh, you know, cover to cover. Do you think that they still would have voted for it? I mean, I know you don't know, but in your, what are you what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, like you just said, I really don't know because don't they have aides that take a section of each bill and break it down and then give them a synopsis of what they that's, what they got out of it? Typically, that's what's happened for years. They have that staff that will go through the 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 proposed bills or the proposed legislation, I should say. And um, give them the things that they need to be able to, to make a, a fairly, you know, make a decision on how they're going to vote on it. Um, but that being said, that's a that's a skewed way of looking at legislation, because what if there's something in there that you really do need to see and you're with your own eyes? Um, and exactly. So that's why 
you know, let, let's take off the table whether they read it or not. Let's just take let's put on the table what you said, which I agree with, is that it doesn't it wouldn't have really mattered. And maybe this is the answer that you and I both are leaning toward. They're too busy, you know, pulling the party line and puckering up to Trump. So it, it, it wouldn't yeah. have mattered what was in there. I mean, so so I don't know, but I, I'm kind of with you that the, the real conversation here is they're all towing the line for 45. Yeah. Yeah, I figured another one was showed when they've uh, they the wheel totally came off is when they actually were defending this George Santos that time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, I mean it's it, we already get, would get a daily uh, deluge from Trump. I mean we know that's all the guy is is a Pinocchio, but uh, um, then with the Santos and they stood up for the guy. You know, it's like the old thing where the they say with the Republican circle, the wagons, you know, where we usually do circular firing squads, you know, like when yeah. Al Franken, you know, as an example. Yeah. You know, he had a goal, and I, I, that was terrible. He he should have never, never, never got out. I and, agree. He should have stayed in and made them show him why he should leave. Um, and all they did, but yeah, unfortunately, they threw him to the wolves. And it was politi- politically expedient and socially expedient to do that because we were at kind of the tipping yeah. point of the Me Too movement. And also that, although that's important um, and it's significant, the, the way in which Democrats treated that situation, I thought, was, you know, they just shot from the hip because they were worried about being perceived as hypocrites if they didn't say he had to go. Yeah, they ate one of their own. Yeah, which what, what would have been a more astute move is to say, we're going to bring this to the table and, and talk about it and talk about the problems that this type of perception creates. But we're not going to get rid of them because of that. So, um, yeah, so, yeah there, there's a there you're, there's a component to that. Um, but, it, you know, again, it, this this bill, which is designed. I mean, I, I had some statistics yesterday and I couldn't write them down fast enough. This bill, as it's designed, was to create um, a, it, it's a bill that was designed to be to provide budgeting for the border security, which is what the Republicans are yeah. whining about and complaining about and on and on and on. And. They couldn't get it done, but when well, this is a case. I wish we had Nancy Pelosi in there, a true leader. You know, not <laughs> not that they call it the God warrior that's in there now. Yeah, exactly. The, um, well, listen, but um, so, hey, so, Richard, yeah, I'll close with this so you get to somebody else. The, um, I was reading, getting back to that um, tower attack, Tower Twenty Two, that day. Said some of those uh, forty-one or so that uh, had gotten. The wounds or injuries, some of them troops had gotten traumatic, you know, TBI, traumatic uh, brain injuries, right. you know, from that. And now, that's, you know, for some of these usually that's kind of serious. For some of these, it shows up later even, you know, that they don't get it right away. Now, let's turn back to when Donald Trump was in the, uh, the president. And he, he, uh, them soldiers that got got hit with that Iranian attack at um, Al-Assad, right. at Al-Assad. He considered that, that they, only, they were just having some headaches and stuff, not that very serious and stuff like that. Yep. You know, <laughs> well, and, and yeah, Dave, that's that that just goes back to once again, 
you know, who are you, who do you want to have as the, the leader of the country when it comes to that, just the consideration that co- goes along with our injured warriors. I mean, you know, exactly. and I, I'm going to speak to that when, when we, um, um, after your call, but you know, it's, yeah. it's really, it, it's shameful of how, well, how awful. Exactly. Like, uh, I, I voiced before on the different shows. I, for the life of me, I cannot see how anybody that had been a Vietnam veteran stands up for Trump. For a guy that, you know, wanted what was in it for them, the ones that got killed, they call them suckers and losers. And, and then even on, you know, on that, uh, was a Howard Stern show that one time, he considered not catching an STD in his own personal Vietnam that time, you know? Yeah. I mean, come on, I, I don't understand it. You know, I'll never will, you know, till the day they you know, scatter my ashes that uh, how you could follow this guy. He was spitting on you guys, basically calling you losers. Yep. You know? That's true. Listen, let me cross so you can get to the others, but I just thought I'd share those couple tidbits with you. All right, Dave. Well, listen, thanks for calling enjoyed in. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it again. So. <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate it. Be well. Have a good day. I will. You too. Dave's my man. He, um, he, what, what's unique about, unique's not the right word, but what, what's just good about Dave is, um, he, to, to the best of his ability from what I've, what I've learned is he can see kind of the counter thought to a certain issue, which is a lot of times what a, a good critical thinker needs is the ability to see the other side of an argument or at least recognize that it's there. You may not always agree with it, um, but at least see the other side of, of, of a conversation or, or a topic. Um, uh, so number seven, seven, three, seven, six, three, nine, two, seven, eight. We're going to take a little bit of a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to choose view with Richard Chew on WCPT 820 Chicago's progressive talk. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, this is Richard Chew's choose views. And, um, I was just saying during the break, uh, that, that what's, what's always fun is <laughs> during the break, the conversations that we have here in the studio, uh, about stuff that's going on. Uh, and we were, we were, I, I we weren't joking. I just commented, uh, we both stepped out of the, um, the studio for a minute and I looked outside and I could not believe how much fog there is out there. So, um, I just have to say to everybody, the weather's just above, um, of, above freezing temperature wise here in Chicago. And with that fog that's out there, those of you who might be listening or that might be, you know, traveling by car anywhere this morning, please, please, please be safe. Give yourself a little extra time. Uh, get off your phone. Don't be texting. Put it on Bluetooth. I got to tell you, listen, I have to tell you this story. So yesterday I was heading back, uh, back downtown to my office and I'm not exaggerating. There was a, um, um, a woman in a, in a Mercedes SUV in the lane next to me. And she was just, it was brand, it was brand new. I mean, it, it, it's a new model. It wasn't an older model. It, it, it's no more than the model that she was driving has only been out for two, two years. Uh, kind of a nerd moment on my part, but so it was fairly new. Um, and it's a Mercedes SUV and girlfriend was talking on her phone. Like she had it up to her face like this, talking, driving on the Kennedy. And I was just like, wait a minute. First of all, you know, we all know the rules. Now we have to be very, very careful and not do that. And we're all, none of us are immune to picking up a quick call. It, it just, it's reality, but we have to be mindful of it. But what I, what I found so uh, incongruent is that she was driving this 
luxury SUV that's no more than two years old. So I got to believe that that car has Bluetooth in it where she can connect her phone. And I, and I just, I was like, what are you doing? First of all, she shouldn't have been doing it. And we all, like, again, I'm not pointing fingers. We all do it. But I was like, come on, you got to be kidding me. Take 10 minutes in the, in the garage or on the, you know, in your, in your, in your, you know, your driveway at home and hook that stuff up. So I just, it was one of those moments where I saw that. And so obviously, you know, my brain went down that Richard Chu wrote, but um, guys be safe this morning driving. It's foggy out there and the temperature's just above freezing. So give yourself a little extra time in your commute, take your foot off the brake a little bit uh, sooner and off the accelerator a little bit safer um, and just, just be safe out there. So listen, um, uh, Dave in our uh, call right before the break, and we're going to hit a quick one in, in a minute to stay on point. Uh, was talking about um, the uh, the treatment, if you will, of um, our, our injured soldiers. And I want to kind of lean into something that um, many of you guys may have missed, um, largely because I'm betting that the mainstream media didn't want you to hear it. But then again, I also know that there were many people that did hear this. And if you all, you know, we, we know that we had uh, some of our soldiers go down uh, as a result of the... Um, the attack that took place in, um, what's that? Three of them that went down. Correct. And, um, one of the, um, one of the soldiers was named Kennedy Sanders. I think it's Sanders or maybe Saunders. Um, and I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but this is one of those moments. That's a, that's a complete, um, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, a mirror moment between how 45 handled certain, tragedies of loss of soldiers and how president Biden has. And this is, I'm going to give you guys the edited version of this. So you can, you can pull it up on, on YouTube or Google or whatever. I'm sure you're going to find it or, um, any form of social media, but president Biden made a call to the family of, of, um, of, um, uh, Kennedy Sanders and spoke to the mom, spoke to the father about, understanding their loss and the courage it took to make that call and to have the compassion and the understanding to know precisely what that family is going through because he himself has lost children. Um, and as a result of, of being part of the military with his son, Bo, you know, um, by, and then you juxtapose that against, uh, if you guys remember when our soldiers were killed in Niger, when 45 was in office and he made the call to the parents and um, the mother was was just distraught from losing her child. Uh, no, not the mother. I'm sorry. The, the wife of the of the soldier. And he basically blamed the soldiers for getting killed because that the phrase that he used that was on the call is that this soldier, he knew what he signed up for. And you contrast that with what President Biden said to the family who lost their daughter. And, you, you know, you just I go back to what Dave was saying in terms of our care for our injured and, and killed uh, soldiers. I mean, that's the kind of I mean, when people talk about and I'll say this a lot because it's what I believe when people talk about President Biden, you know, I'm not looking for a president to be perfect or a vice president to be perfect. I am looking for a president to be able to have the compassion in that scenario as a commander in chief 
to make the call to a family and be empathetic as best you can, certainly sympathetic to their their anguish and their sadness and their sorrow. But to call a family up and say he knew what he was signing up for, I don't, you know, there, there's so many, and this is this is where, you know, our country is failing right now. And I just got to say this, I know we're, we're coming to our, uh, our next break. But where our country is failing is not living really to the standard that we say we are all about. You know, I mean, let's be honest. You, you, you want a commander in chief that's going to have compassion and empathy for the wounded and, and deceased soldiers that he or she sends into battle or at least is, is, is aware of the fact that they're in a hot zone. Not some knucklehead that's going to call up the family and say he knew what he signed up for. So, you know, that's just to me, we don't need that kind of dude anywhere near the White House ever again. So 773-763-9278. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820. Where facts matter. And yes, guys, facts do matter here. And um, I wanted to um, touch back on something we were chatting on right before the break. And really, listen, the, the, the whole essence behind a president or certainly a big part of the essence of a president is leadership, compassion. And, and we were talking about um, a scene in the movie uh, Saving, Private, Saving Private Ryan. And, um, you know, that scene where they were, you know, you, as you were describing, needing to go back and, you know, that, that fighting the last brother. And then, you know, how the general read that, that piece. That's, that's an epic part of the movie. Um, but it shows compassion and leadership. And right now, that's, you know, just what President Biden did last week with contacting the Sanders family shows the compassion and the leadership necessary. Um, you know, we don't see that's That's not part of the, the DNA that we've we've seen with 45. So, you know, again, my, my mantra is keeping him as far away from the White House as possible. And all of his cronies and people, they just, they, you know, they had their shot. They didn't get things done. And, you know, I've said this on the family meeting, and I'm going to say it this morning because I think it's, it's important to, to drop on everybody. This just goes to show how um, <laughs> ineffective or just stupid and, and, and you know, non-leadership uh, Donald Trump was. So I'm, I believe that if Donald Trump... While he was in office in, in January of 2020, yeah, in January of 2020, had he been honest with the American people and been honest with the world, and clearly he knew the information. Let's, if I'll even push it to March when we kind of all went into, into lockdown, if he had been honest as he was on that recording with, um, with, um, oh gosh, um, Bob Woodward. Where he said, "Oh, this is really serious. This is dangerous. This is bad," and I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he actually said, but y'all know what I'm talking about. I believe, and I've said this before, that if Donald Trump had been honest with the American people and the world, and come out and said, "Look, y'all," that's Richard Chu talking, but look, y'all, this is serious. It's dangerous. It's going to cause some death, and we've got to do everything we can to make sure that you guys are protected. We're going to come up with the vaccine. 
y'all going to have to wear a mask. I know you're not going to like it. I don't like wearing a mask. I'm pretty. I'm Donald. He could have had some fun with it. If he had done something like that, if he had taken the position that we have got to be safe about this, I know you're going to hate all these things, but this is what we've got to do to save Americans and save people across the globe. He would have been reelected. I'll bet my house on it. Our house. It's not my house. My wife's house. You you know, I I just, I think that he would have been reelected because there are progressives. No, there are independents who would have said, okay, I can get behind that. He told us the truth. It sucks. It's going to be a little bit painful, but we're going to get past this together. He didn't do that. He had an opportunity. And when I, and, and, you know, listen, at the very beginning, we were all kind of like, what the heck? We didn't know there was a lot of di- myths and disinformation on and on and on. But if he had gone and said, if he had called a press conference or, or done a spot on, on Fox, his favorite, you know, uh, a spot and broke it down like that and said, look, this is serious. This will kill you. Like he did on the, on the, the interview that he did with Bob Woodward. I think he would have been reelected. Because let's just be honest, the disarray that came because he didn't do it caused people's lives. But so imagine how many people could have been saved and he would have saved his political career and the hot water that he's in now, he would have been able to then impact that to, 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 uh, to direct the government agencies away from him. But he's such an awful, awful, awful leader. He's not even a leader. He's not. He's just a punk that got installed into the White House. But if the dude had decided to do that, people, I, I think that there would have been a whole bunch of people that would have said, yeah, I don't who I don't. It doesn't really matter to me who the de- Democrats put forward as their candidate, including Joe Biden. Um, he would have galvanized a lot of folks because a lot of people left and didn't vote for him. The data is out there to back that up that are independents that their lives were impacted because once they did realize that he knew and he was more aware and there were things he could have done. And then, and this is the other thing too, that, that where he missed the opportunity with the, the PPP program and the ability to provide more Americans with access to um, masks and turning on the power of the government to provide medical safety. None of those tools that he used. So, for those who still are following him, if you're an independent, he dropped the ball and he had a, he had an opportunity by just doing the right thing. And he chose not to. And whether his advisors told him not to or not, he's the president. He's like, listen, no, this is what I'm going to do. Set up the press conference. I'm going to let everybody know how bad this is. We're going to save some folks. We're going to save the country. We're going to save the world. Globally, he would have been a hero. Think about that. So we now we know why his bill, why he why he bankrupted a casino because he's a flipping idiot. The dude bankrupted a casino. So now we know why that happened because if he had all this power, right there, all these levers, and he didn't choose to pull this one right here, which was which would have been to be uh, transparent, and let everybody know he would have gotten reelected. Somebody needs to challenge me on that. We got a quick call that we should take. I'll let you see who it is, and then we'll go from there. But listen, guys, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. Donald Trump had an opportunity to do that. And, and the fact 
there are facts to back this up because we have the recording of him talking to Bob Woodward and saying, yeah, this is pretty serious. This is pretty dangerous. If he had done that to the American people, if he had done that publicly, um, you know, I, I just feel that there, there are many folks who are independents that would have, would have um, stood behind him. And, um, you know, he kind of cut his own neck in that regard. All right. So um, let's take a quick call before we wrap up. Uh, let's go to Earl calling in from Hyde Park. Hey, Earl, how are you? Hey, buddy. Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm calling to wish you good luck with your new program. And I'm looking forward to keeping you in line because, you know, sometimes uh, you kind of wander and stray. Wander and stray. <laughs> I, I, well, I've been enjoying you so far. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, what I found when you wander and stray is that um, you find out new things along the way. Okay. Well, no, seriously, good looking, buddy. And I will be calling in from time to time, but I like what I've heard so far. I appreciate that, Earl. And uh, thank you for calling today. Have a fantastic uh, rest of your day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. That was nice of him. So, guys, um, listen, as you guys know, uh, following this show is the uh, Stephanie Miller Show. Uh, and then Tom Hartman, and of course, the great, wonderful Joan Esposito, who will be here from 2 to 5 p.m. And so I want to make sure you guys uh, plug into their shows and, and support their work here uh, through and on WCPT. But, you know, um, circling back real quickly to, this, to, to where I was um, before Earl called about uh, what Trump could have done, uh, we, we sometimes miss that. We miss that the leadership, the compassion, the honesty, the transparency that he could have exhibited, he didn't. And because of that, he kind of cut his own neck with regard to getting reelected. Um, and that's what we don't see in him because it's not part of who he is. If people are wondering about, well, why didn't he do it? It's not who the dude is. He, from all measure that we have and all reports and all data and all people that, that have been around him for decades, everyone said that that's, just, that's not who he is. So at a, as, a, as a restart for President Biden, what we all should be looking at is how, what do I really want? Yeah, we want to fix the, 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 the problems at our southern border. We have four, by the way. So I'm going to specifically always say southern border. We want to fix that problem. We're going to fix the one on the northern border. But we also want to make sure that we um, lean into the things that the, the better things that President Biden and D.B. Harris are trying to get done. Yeah, the Middle East is a horrible situation, and I have my observations on that conversation on all sides of it. Um, but we want a president right now who is going to at least exhibit the compassion that he did for the Sanders family with the loss of their daughter. We want a president who is leaning in to help us rather than to hurt us. And let's be honest, Donald Trump hurt Americans by the way in which he handled the pandemic, and that's not a debatable issue. But given that, guys, we're coming to an end today. Thank you so much for your support. This is Choose Views. The number always is 773-763-9278. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.